welcome to the Restoration Podcast, where we share sermons and discussions and talk about making disciples of all nations. It is really good to be with you guys, and instead of standing back here behind this thing, uh, I'm going to come invade your table, if that's okay. So... Hey, I really want to kind of set a larger context for uh, your role in what's happening. Uh, This is one of 19 church planting efforts that's going on in our district. And our district would uh, be the eastern half of Ohio and all of West Virginia. Uh, And so uh, we're really grateful that God has laid on your hearts to be part of something that he's doing here in Amherst. And I want to thank you. Uh, for investing here. Uh, Some of you, this may be, I think there's a few that maybe this is your first time here uh, or first time in a long time. Uh, And so it is really good to have you here. Thank you for investing your time in partnering with Dan and Christy and uh, what God is doing. Thank you for investing your talents. You're just an incredible button pusher. Uh, And so I want to thank you for that incredible talent uh, that God's given you. encourage each of you to figure out what is it, the, what is it that you do well uh, and continue to invest in that fashion. I also want to thank you for investing uh, financially in what God's doing. You know, ministry takes resources and, and you guys have been faithful uh, here and I really want to thank you uh, for what you have done in that fashion. Know this, that uh, there are about uh, four to 6,000, I'm not sure what the exact number is, it kind of fluctuates a little bit, but between four and 6,000 people that are regularly hearing about what Jesus is doing here uh, through what we call the Kingdom Advancement Facebook page. Uh, where And Dan is one of the most faithful church planters of all to regularly, weekly put stuff on there for people to be praying. And so you need to know that there are thousands of people praying for you, praying that God would do wonderful things in Amherst and beyond. And uh, so just really grateful uh, for what Jesus is doing here. Jesus was a, a master storyteller. You know, uh, we see this throughout Scripture. He was he was regularly inviting people into these stories, and and when Jesus told stories, uh, there there tended to be. Um, three responses to the stories of Christ. Uh, One response would be where uh, there were times where people would just say, yeah, I don't get it. I I had no clue what you're trying to say here. And and really, when when you learn how to communicate more effectively, maybe I'll come back around. But until then, I'm going over this direction. There were others that when they heard the stories of Christ, uh, they would sit there and they'd go, Wow, I know there's something here. Not quite sure what it is, but he's trying to say something really profound. Maybe I ought to ask a few questions. Maybe I ought to dig into this a little further. And then there were a few that uh, really sensed, Ah, I got what you're saying. That's right. 
That's right on point. And and they deeply embraced what Christ had to say. Well, one of those stories is found in Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and and turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 13. And while you're turning there, I'm going to grab this stuff out of this fun little closet right here. Getting old, I got to start using these things. Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. Just one, one sentence or one verse here. Uh, Jesus told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. So for me, this is one of those stories that I kind of read and I go... Yeah, I know he's trying to say something here. You know, there's something significant going on in this verse. But what is it? Uh, It's one of those verses that I've kind of chewed on for a lot of my life and said, I I don't understand the story. I mean, you know... Is it that Jesus is just saying little things turn into big things? I mean, that's sort of the way people once told me that's what it meant. And, and, and I was uh, chewing on this story for a while. And um, the thing is, is that I don't understand how yeast works. I, I mean, like... When I was a kid, my mom would take flour and she'd put some water on it and butter and then she'd open up this like little packet of stuff and dumped it on there and you had to kind of push it into the dough. And I remember doing that as a kid, making pizza dough. And then you, then you took the dough and you put it in a bowl and you put it in hot water and you covered the, covered the bowl and like 30 minutes later this thing went and, and puffed up and blew up and it, it made the house smell and it, it actually kind of smelled kind of good. And, but it was one of those things that I just couldn't what, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? I mean, this doesn't seem to really make a whole lot of sense. I mean, normally when we talk about yeast in, in Scripture, when we read about yeast, what is yeast usually equated with in Scripture? Sin. Sin. No, no, no. Well, wait a second. I mean, think about being one of the original hearers of Jesus telling this story. Uh, they would have been basically Jewish people. And, and the thing Jesus says is, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Whoa. <laughs> Time out. That, that doesn't work. Jesus, you're, you're mixing metaphors here. Because normally when we talk about yeast, we're talking about bad stuff. And, and, and in fact, as good Jewish people, there were times of the year where they took all of the yeast and got it out of their house. They have nothing to do with it. And yet here, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Well, I don't, I don't get that. I don't, what, what does that mean? So this will be a fun one for, for uh, Dan. Dan, I was just outside of Charleston, West Virginia. I was on my way to uh, uh, preach at a church down in West Virginia. And I had one of my twin boys with me. And uh, one of my twins was, uh, at that point, he was young enough that he still had to sit in the back seat and those kind of things. Got to drink a little of this before I make a mess. 
And so he is sitting in the back seat. And um, the night before, he had gone to a birthday party. And uh, at the birthday party, he got one of these pixie sticks. Now, when I was a kid, a pixie stick was the size of a pen or a pencil. It's no wonder kids are messed up nowadays. I mean, look at this. Look at this thing. It's crazy. But so I'm driving down the road and, you know, it's doing this, right? You get down there and it's, whoo, you know, we're, we're, we're moving. It's not just a straight shot. And, uh, uh, and there, there's, he's in the back and, you know, normally uh, when there's an aroma coming out of the back seat with a little kid, it's not necessarily a good thing, is it? But there was an aroma coming out of the back seat and I, I turned around to see what Matthias was doing and this is what I saw him do. Uh, and I literally got to watch the whole thing. I don't know how I stayed on the road. But he was doing this. Now watch what happens here. How am I still on the road? I don't know. But as I turned around and watched him do that, Jesus said, that's the parable. Right there. You just watched the parable of the yeast. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus allowed me to reword it, the kingdom of heaven is like a pixie stick that a little boy took and dumped into a bottle of water. What just happened here? You talk to me. What, what did you just see happen? So you got to talk a little louder. Messed up a good bottle of water. Messed up a good, actually this tastes pretty good. I'll be honest with you. Okay, it just became Kool-Aid. What else did you see happen? It changed, didn't it? This bottle of water literally transformed before your very eyes. What else did you see happen? Say it again. Okay, the powder turned to a liquid. This became empty. Okay, so what was in here had to go in here in order to make a difference. Alright, so what we're seeing here is that there is transformation because of incarnation. What was here was now put in here and this was literally transformed before our very eyes. Now let's stop and think about this for a moment. The kingdom of heaven is like a pixie stick that a little boy took and mixed into a whole bottle of water. This is what church planting is about. This is why Jesus has gathered this body of believers in Amherst. Fill in the blanks. Why did he, why did he have you be involved in church planting? To make a transformational difference here in Amherst, right? You're here to make a difference. You're not, you're not here just to be sweet. Okay? You're not here just to put on a show. You're here to make a transformational difference in the lives of the people of Amherst, Ohio and beyond to Elyria and Lorraine and you name it. Jesus has invited you into 
a transformational encounter or a transformational process of changing the culture and community of Amherst. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that rather than allowing this parable to uh, direct the way we interact with the world around us, what the church has tended to do is the church has taken a few other verses sort of out of context and allowed them to serve as our directives when it comes to interacting with the world around us. Let, let me show you what this kind of looks like. So, and this is the way I was taught. All right, I was taught this. Um, that there are basically two types of culture in the world. All right, There's the secular culture that's out there. And then there is the church culture. All right? And the way I was taught was that the two don't mix. There was a pretty, pretty significant dividing line in here. I was taught to memorize verses like, come out and be... Separate from them. Oh, yeah, I'm separate from the world. I don't have anything to do with them. They're, these people are messed up. These are the bad people. These are the good people, right? These are the people that got their lives all together. Okay? So hang out here. You don't want to hang out here. Come out and be separate from them. I, I was taught to memorize verses like, Bad company corrupts good morals. So you don't, you don't go... Uh, with girls who dip or chew, you know, uh, they're just bad company. You, know? you, you stay away from them. You stay away. It's all bad. And because of that, rather than there being an incarnational engagement with the culture around us that makes a transformational difference... What we do is, this, this happens. So, so we've got some people living in Amherst that don't know Jesus. And uh, Jesus is just so kind as to reach into some lives of some people here in Amherst. And he, he redeems one of these people to himself. You, you do realize this, right? That there are people out here right now that are ready to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ if they just had somebody bring it to them. Do you believe that? It's, look, if you don't believe that Jesus is at work in Amherst, let's just quit. Because this is just going to be a gathering of a bunch of Christian people and who wants to hang out with Christians? It's the story of the lady at the funeral. Right? Jesus is at the work of drawing people to himself right now. But if we stay separate from them, we're never going to have the opportunity to make a transformational difference. We're never going to be conduits of the kingdom into the culture around us. And so, back to this for a moment. Here's what happens. When somebody gets redeemed, what do we in the church immediately do with them? You, you, yeah, you showed it. You showed it. We do this. We don't practice incarnational engagement. We practice extractionism. Extract them out. Get them away from the bad people. Get them over here with everybody that's got life all figured out. 
Because these people are, are, are going to drag them right back into all kinds of problems. And so what we do is we take those people and we extract them out. And, and so what ends up happening is this. Uh, there is uh, a three-year um, statistic. And the statistic says this, that within three years of a person coming to Christ, they have lost all meaningful relationships with people who don't know Jesus. Hmm. Now stop and think about that for a moment. I, I, I'm, seriously, don't raise your hand. I don't, we, don't, we don't want that. But how many of you have genuine friendships with people who don't know Christ? See, Jesus was a friend to who? Sinners. And most of the time, what we do is we quickly label here or here. And where do most of the friendships of people within the church are, exist? They exist here, don't they? Okay. Within three years. Now, okay, you know, we, we try to justify ourselves. We go, well, no, I know some people who don't know Christ. You know, like, I know my neighbor's name. And uh, I, I know the checkout person. And uh, I know the co-worker in the, you know, Bob's a good, well, sort of a good guy. He drinks on the weekends, but, you know, and I, I know people who don't know Jesus. Now, I didn't ask if you know people who don't know Jesus. I ask, are, are they your friends? Have you so engaged in their lives that they would call you a friend? See, what happens is within three years, what we do is we have lost all meaningful connection to people who don't know Christ. And so therefore, the only options we have are this. See, we stand at a distance and we go like this. Ready? We say, listen, we, 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 we lob Christian bombs back at the lost world. We go, Jesus loves you. <laughs> And you need to have a relationship with them. Because if you don't, you're going to die and go to hell. And that's exactly how the world responds. Right? Did you just see him? That's the way the world responds. You know why they respond? Because they don't have, we don't have any friendships. We, don't have any, we have not engaged with them enough for them to know that, that, that there's trust and love and, you know, and anticipation of what Jesus is going to do. And so we just, we're whipping, we're whipping the gospel at people and they're going, ugh. See, if we go back and we think about the parable of the yeast. We go back and we think about the parable of the pixie stick. And we say, the kingdom of God is like a pixie stick that a little boy took and mixed into a bottle of water. See, see what, it, what it really should look like is this. should look like this. The kingdom of God where's my blue one? The kingdom of God is like a pixie stick that a little boy took and mixed into 
a bottle of water. See, at this point, you know what Jesus does when he tells these kind of stories? He just drops the mic and says, I'm out. And he says, figure it out. Right? He tells the story. He gets in our brains and he says, listen, the kingdom of God is like a pixie stick that a little boy took and dipped into a bottle of water. And he's done. I'd like to do that to you. I'd like you to go home and I'd like you to chew on this. Because there's a whole lot to discover here. There's a whole lot to process and think through. I'll just do a few things with you. Dan says I have like 15 minutes to preach and then we've got to ask questions. So, but I've lost track of time because I set my cell phone over there. So where are we at? Okay. Okay. Well, we won't go 50 minutes. Let me ask this question. In the parable... Where are you? Where are you? Say it again. Oh, you were talking to the baby. Okay. You got to think this through. Which, what, what, where are you in this parable? <laughs> Good, you're thinking. Take a guess. What? You think you're in the water. Okay, so, so this bottle originally represented the culture, right? It represented the culture. It represented the people of the culture. Okay, so hopefully you're in the water now, right? But what role do you play in the parable? The kid. The kid. The kid. Okay, maybe the kid. No, we should be the kid putting the... Okay, the kingdom of God is like a little boy who mixed a pixie stick into a bottle of water. That's right. You're the kid. You're the conduit of the kingdom. Do you realize that? Do you realize that... You know, I don't get this. Sometimes Jesus frustrates me, I'll be honest with you. Because I go, wait, wait, wait. Why did you choose to partner with us? I mean, I'm sort of messed up. And here's what I know about each one of y'all. Whether you like it or not, whether you're going to own it or not, you're sort of messed up. And, and, And you don't always get it right. I don't always get it right. I don't always play the role I'm supposed to play. But here's the thing. Jesus has chosen to partner with you. Jesus has chosen you to be His instrument, His conduit of the kingdom into the culture. If you don't play the role of the little boy with the conduit in His hand, what happens to these people? They spend eternity separated from Him in hell. Jesus has said, listen, you're, you're my conduit. You're my conduit. You, you, the kingdom has been placed in your hand. Now, quit sitting in here and get out there. This is, this is church planting, isn't it? 
This is what it means to be involved in church planting. It's saying there is a desperate need among the culture of Amherst, Ohio. There is a desperate need among the people of Amherst, Ohio. And for whatever reason, at this time in history, Jesus has chosen y'all to be his conduit of the kingdom into these people's lives. Now, for some of you, you may be sitting here going, Ooh, and you're, that's a scary thought. I want to encourage you to think about it a little bit differently. See, here's some homework for this afternoon. Take out a piece of paper, take out your phone, type this in, whatever you got to do to remember it. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Okay? Just write, don't, 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 don't look at it now. That's cheating. You don't, che- you don't cheat on homework. Homework is something we do outside of class. Okay? So, 2 Corinthians, you can turn there if you have to, so you can put a marker in it. I'll, I'll let you do that. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through, 18, or through, through, through 20. Here's, here's what happens. In that passage of Scripture is your job description. In that passage of Scripture, Jesus labels you. Jesus says, this is who you are. And at the end of that that passage in there, it says, listen, you've been given a message, you've been given a ministry, and you've been given authority. And the authority comes with the idea of being an ambassador. Yes, sir. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. Okay? It says this. I'm, I'm going to cheat for you just a tad. It says, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And because you're in Christ, because your life has been radically transformed... You now have been given a message and a ministry and you now have been given the authority and position of being an ambassador of the king. An ambassador of the kingdom. Now, that ought to make you go, so I'm not just a normal schmuck. I'm legitimately somebody in the kingdom? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the power that you carry as a follower of Christ? you ever thought about, about who you represent? Have you ever thought about all the dynamics that go along with being an ambassador of Christ? The kingdom of heaven is like a little boy. Who took a pixie stick and mixed it into a bottle of water. Listen, this water is forever changed. It's forever changed. Now maybe somebody can come up with some chemical way of getting it all back to whatever it was before. But I kind of doubt it. You see, what yeast does is yeast literally 
attacks every molecule that it touches. I've since gone back and studied the science of yeast on this thing. I've had a whatever kind of scientist would need to be, I forget what kind he was, but molecular scientist. He, he, he showed me what happens with this thing. Yeast literally attacks every molecule it comes in contact with and it transforms it. It transforms it. It transforms it. It transforms it. And it transforms it in such a way that the next thing that this molecule touches gets transformed. And the next thing that molecule touches gets transformed. And that's why the thing goes... Because it's being changed. You have been created to be a conduit of the kingdom. You've been created to be a change agent. You've been created to be an ambassador. Now, a whole lot more to chew on here. I'm going to stop. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, you guys are used to asking some questions at the tables and talking about them. So I was told. So we're going to do that, except you're going to have a really boring conversation by yourself. So you'll have to move. And I don't know if you want to join your brother and your sister, though. No. Okay, we're not doing that. It's already been told. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have the hazlets come here, if you don't mind. That way you guys get to be part of the conversation. And... And my, my new best friend with the twins. I got twin boys, so I know what this man's going through. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Is this your first kids or your... Yeah? Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, uh, you'll know how to do this. You'll get in some groups, that kind of things. But there's two, there's two questions that I want you to, to, to wrestle with for a moment. The first question is this. What has been your primary style of engaging the culture around you? A, a kingdom conduit style? Like this? Where you've said, I, I mix it up really, really well. Or a 2 Corinthians 6.17, which says, come out and be separate from them. What's been your primary style, and why has that been your style? What's impacted the way you think about how to interact with culture around you? Talk about that one for a little bit. And then the next one is this. Read 2 Corinthians. Oh, I forgot. So here goes your homework. You're going to get a chance to do it in class. So it'll be beautiful. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18. Make a list of everything you know about an ambassador to a foreign country. Really fun exercise here. Just start thinking it through. What does an ambassador do? Where does the ambassador live? How does the ambassador function? And make a list. All right. Some of y'all are going to have to find some piece of paper somewhere here. Who needs a piece of paper? Right here's one. Who wants one? Does the table need a... Okay. Great. Uh, yeah, seriously, seriously, I am. <laughs> Your sister has another one. Okay, uh, and then, and then, how am I embracing this job description that you just came up with as an ambassador? Impact the way you engage the world around you. All right. So those are the two questions. Uh, find some space.